Delaney. And it's Katie. This is Classically Black Podcast. Where we talk all things classical music and being black in the profession. With trap beats playing in the background. Hey, y'all. Period. We back or whatever. Oh, we're late. But, you know. I'll try to put it out today. So, news this week. Uh, Placido Domingo has issued a statement apologizing to the Arena Di Verona for his recent performances um, that resulted in onstage protests from the orchestra and a subsequent letter uh, from the local union um, describing them as, quote, humiliating. Um, so during his performances, he left the stage early during scenes of Macbeth and um, also his conducting of Turando was so poor that members of the orchestra refused to stand with him and receive applause as a sign of protest. So he sent a letter to the city's mayor um, and the superintendent of the festival where he attempted to explain what happened and offered uh, his services for the next year's festival um, for their centennial celebration. Um, I'm going to read a little bit of what he said. Yeah, he says, I'm aware that the level of my artistic performances um, are not at the level of my expectation or yours. There are no excuses. I recognize that during those performances, I overexerted myself. To be on stage and especially on the podium, concentration is fundamental. I trusted until the end that the positive energy of the full arena um, and all the and of all the workers would give me the strength to move ahead with those performances in which I tried to give my best for the audience, even though I had traveled from afar. The gala was especially created for me, and for that reason, I apologize to all the workers of the arena. I'm not gonna hold y'all. When I first read this, or Skim did, <laughs> I thought they was protesting because he was touching on them kids. They protesting because his because th- his performance was bad. I'm like y'all are sick. (laughs) You gotta catch a body in classical music to get canceled, and maybe even then, because that music caught a body. Well, not, not directly. Mm, Guess Waldo did. So, um, I mean, that was to 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 his defense. That was like the 1500. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He could have did that in the middle of the square, right? (laughs) What they really finna do about it? Um, yeah. What I thought, I thought for sure. Like, I mean. That's ridiculous to me. Like, it wasn't he? It was just a couple of weeks ago. We was reading my hymn in Argentina, having sex with underage people. Like, and now y'all, y'all don't draw the line there. But we draw the line at oh, his performance was shaky. Like, why are y'all still booking him? First of all, can he retire? Like, <laughs> he probably trying to get his money up for his uh, lawyer. He probably got a lot on his mind. Wait, is he going to jail for that? No, right? The thing in Argentina? Mm-hmm. I don't think so at this point because prostitution is not illegal there. But I think there is, like, they think that the person, they're trying to prove that the person was underage because that's what I read mm-hmm. Um, in NPR. It said that it was underage. So, but at this time, he's not, like, under arrest or anything like that. Um, But, yeah, I'm over here thinking, like, they was doing the right thing. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> this, is, this is this is the same company that that Angel Blue pulled out of because they was doing black, blackface. So are they not tired of scandal? Like, but I mean, they wasn't getting no scandal from booking him in the first place. I, I suppose. So local pedophile has shaky performance and therefore is protested. 
I guess. Um, yeah, that's ridiculous. But okay. Um, and then my other piece of news is that Project Spectrum is um, hosting a free symposium. Project Spectrum is um, a group of graduate students in like music academia um, that they do programming um, and stuff like that. So they're doing a free symposium on November 9th and 10th in New Orleans, um, directly preceding MusicCon, which is the combined a conference of American Musicological Society, Society for Music Theory, and Society for Ethnomusicology. They're having their joint meeting um, in New Orleans in November. Is and that new? Like all of them together like that? It happens every couple of years, apparently. Oh, okay. So they have one a, a few. I don't know if it's like a pattern, or like I, mean, I think maybe every three or every five years or something like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, so it's completely free. If you're so, if you're going to that, or if you just live in New Orleans should go um so the symposium theme is called in discomfort and i'm gonna read a little bit of what they put on here it is long so i'm not probably won't read the whole thing but it says to acknowledge and feel discomfort is to attune the self and to prepare for the consequences of this negative effect pain violence excess precarity to name only a few as such, we take discomfort as a serious entry point into larger conversations which affect scholars and the communities they serve. In yet another political moment where discomfort is being appropriated and weaponized to erase populations, we ask what happens and what can happen when we listen to and act upon the cries of communities that face such erasure. And then there is more, so I will let you read that on your own because um, if you want to register, the link will be in the description. Again, it is free and they also... I think you can register past this date, but they are asking that you register by October 17th to be counted for a community dinner that they're going to be um, doing. And I believe there is, I want to say there's a, um, like you can attend virtually, but I would check, I would read this whole thing and, and check that um, because I don't want to lie. But I feel like they're big on accessibility, so I would be surprised if you could not uh join virtually if you're not gonna physically be there um but yeah you going i find it's up your alley low-key this <laughs> why you say it like that <laughs> 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 like this specific thing or the whole thing no like the no like the um what can i say man like the academia part. No. Um, it. I mean, to be honest, I probably won't go just because I feel like my brain is like putting. Like you know how, you know how stuff get curdled. Actually, it's okay when you, like when you mix something no, too I much don't. in it and they get curdled. No, I don't. I don't. That's the texture of my brain right now. No, I don't. I sorry. I didn't. Um. And they're gonna be using a whole bunch of big words and stuff, and so. All right. I, don't, I would go to New Orleans. I've never been to New Orleans, and I would go to this whole big thing if I had the money to. But I forgot. I'll be forgetting about money. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> but to put you, myself like, up in in New Orleans for multiple days. It's like, yeah. And it will be for no reason because I would have to miss school, and it's like for what? So. Yeah. See, and that's how. I feel like they be gaslighting us when they say like money doesn't buy happiness. I'm telling you, it does. Like I'm telling you, 
like they are gaslighting this i just want my life to be easier and i guarantee you my life will be easier if i had more money like i'm not like i'm not i'm not guessing like i'm i'm telling you like i'm like i oh i i reckon no i'm telling you and i feel like they gaslight us with that like no money buys happiness i don't care and when i have a lot of money y'all don't even even have to be prepared to be sick of me because y'all won't hear from me because what else i need i got money period okay so time for intermission i'm very excited because i feel like delaney gonna be annoyed but um (laughs) and y'all and she talk about me but y'all heard that right (laughs) Mm, i'm so excited okay so basically you you said what i said i'm sure you are oh delaney be a good sport so we're gonna play a little game she's gonna go first and then i'll go i'll go next week so what we're gonna do is i have put some composers and artists that delaney has mentioned to me over the course of our friendship both in love and in disdain and what we're gonna do i have put them into a randomizer and she i'm gonna pick five names well i'm not gonna pick five names the machine's gonna pick five names and she has to order them from one to five one being the best five being the worst she has to assign it to a number when i say it and you can't move it what so let me give you an example if we were to name if we're gonna do food and we had two options the first one was spaghetti i'll put two because spaghetti all right and then the next one, I don't, so what is the food that I hate besides meat? <laughs> the first one was spaghetti and the next one was like Brussels sprouts. You Brussels like sprouts Brussels would have sprouts? to be number one. I love me a Brussels sprout, but oh, I like okay. spaghetti more. But like I already put spaghetti number two, assuming that I probably would get something better. And I didn't. So now Brussels sprouts is number one. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you have five, there are five slots and you can't cheat. You can't be like, nah, number six. I seen this one dude on TikTok dude. He was like, it was it was restaurants and he got Taco Bell. He already had a number five. He was like, number six, because I hate Taco Bell. <laughs> First of all, how you hate Taco Bell? You're not ordering the right stuff. And I just feel like if you hate Taco Bell, you want it to be what, what it's not. They, that's exactly what it, like, y'all don't, y'all need yeah. to accept stuff for what it is. Exactly. Now, I don't really go to Taco Bell like that. I feel like I did go, the last time I went to Taco Bell was Desperate. I don't go to talk about it like that because it's too much cross contamination. It just started. I just mm. I'm I'm too dramatic for that. I don't want to be picking cheese out of my stuff. I'm weird, so I just I just don't bother with it. Now Del Taco, people hate on me for like a Del Taco. I'm like, the minute my feet set foot on Canadi- on California soil. Oh my gosh, I'm going to Del Taco. I don't care. I don't care. It is quality cuisine. When I went to Portland. Do you know I drove across the bridge to go to Wisconsin? To Wisconsin, you hear me? To go to Washington to get me some Del Taco? That's ridiculous, Katie. I don't care. I mean, to be fair, Washington is literally right there. But yeah, I went across the border. Took me a little twenty minute drive to get me some Del Taco. I was like, Del Taco's in the vicinity. Period. Ready? That's suppose. All you gotta do is assign the artist or composer with a number. Can't move it. Oh, let me make sure I'm keeping track as well i'm annoyed by this let me uh, you know i could just write down do i have a pencil nearby do and i got me a little stack oh my notebook right here period are we ready 
keep track just to make sure I don't get bamboos. Okay. Let me get sorted. Let me get sorted. Let me get sorted. Okay. Okay, first one is Copeland. Oh gosh. Okay. Five. Okay. It's five is lowest, right? Five is lowest, yeah. Yeah, five. Okay. Okay, next one is Bodicini. Three. Okay. Stevie Wonder. One. You got lucky, man. I was like, I hope she get that last. I w- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would be breaking the rules. So. <laughs> okay, Beyonce. Two. Okay, last one. Flo Millie. Four, I guess. Gotta read. I guess, yeah. I feel like you did good. Yeah, I'm happy with that one. This ain't That's bad. Much, the only one I probably I would probably would switch. Well, I actually that might be the order. Flo Millie and, and Bodicini could go in like either one, but I don't feel strongly yeah. about about the the order that they went in. So this ain't bad. Watch mine. Watch mine be terrible. I and gotta put them in a ra- randomizer. You got yeah, because I thought uh, I was gonna, I was just gonna pick them, and I was like, I feel like that's not fair, and also she gonna have she. I was well, like, life ain't fair. So. Okay, so but you gotta do how I did it. So mm, at the end well, you are not over here, so you don't know what I'm finna be doing. Shut now. up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was like, I was gonna pick them, and I was like, no, that's not really. I want it to be real random because I would just cook something up, so I could just now it's now Stevie Wonder number five. Nah, um, but yeah, I think that's pretty good. Because if we got number five, I'd be like, well, actually, it's five through ten, and so that's how I would have to change it. So five is actually number one. So okay, that's that's a way to do it. That's the animation. I guess we can go. I'm gonna go next week. Sure are. Okay. All right, y'all. So last week. Last week, girl, I don't know. A couple of days ago, I was minding my business and I was in one of the little Facebook groups I'm in and I saw somebody post um a video. It's a HBCU dance group and I saw somebody post a video and it was a, this girl who started um a dance team at USC. And I was like, This is cute. And the caption when the video in the in the group was like, What y'all think about this? And I was like, Actually, I'm gonna click out of this. Yeah. And I, I actually don't care what y'all have to say. And I went on Twitter and it went viral and I was like, all right. So, and I didn't expect it to drag on for as long as it did with so much vitriol that it did. So today we're going to talk about that video in more detail and what it's about and also our own experiences with HBCU culture and some other whole bunch of stuff. So tuck in. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. <laughs> Yeah. So people were basically the main debate that people was having was like they was mad because so she started a majorette team. And if you don't know what majorette is, it's like a it's a style of dancing that's like originated at HBCUs. So um 
And the the team that she has, they are all black, but people took issue with that because one, they were like, well, why are you bring H? Like, if you wanted, if you wanted, like, because people were basically defending her and saying like, she's creating this space for black people on campus. You know, together they were like, well, if you wanted that community, why didn't you just go to an HBCU? And so people was mad at that. Um, yeah, that was basically the, the debate was. Um, why didn't you go to an HBCU if you wanted a black community at college um, and and bringing H- things that are from HBCU culture or black culture onto PWI campuses? So. so let's start with just like, why didn't you go to an HBCU? I didn't go to an HBCU because neither of my degrees really existed at HBCUs with the exception of the first one there are music performance degrees that you can get from an HBCU but as a string player that it's a little different because like I know people that went to like HBCUs where like music wise the largest presence at HBCU is marching band Mm -hmm. does not apply to me um, and then also for what I wanted to do when I went to college, I wanted to be an orchestral musician, like not only just getting into Eastman, but also just all the factors that go into what I understood to be the important things when choosing a college, they simply outweighed like Eastman simply outweighed any HBCUs that I was looking at because the only one that I found that had like of string program and for bass too because a lot of some of them even if they do have some where where you can play strings they will have a, a professor like for violin they might have like one that's violin slash viola and like cello slash but you know and when you're going to school especially in undergrad you're like you're picking up so much stuff and you're learning how to teach yourself and stuff like that like you're 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 less independent i would say from your teacher and so you really need someone you need a specialist in that like I can't go to a teacher that it's not a bass player like I can't Mm -hmm. like I could not do that so um that's why when I got into Eastman I was like well I really don't even feel like this is a this is a choice you know and it has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with the quality of HBCUs overall but it's just like how certain schools even if they're not the top school like Eastman is not the the top school like in the country or whatever but certain schools even if they're not the type school will have a top program or are just better for a certain program that doesn't mean they're a better school overall because if I wanted to study like if I want to study African-American studies could I have done that at Eastman no Mm -hmm. so like I just feel like it was for that it um it outweighed like having a teacher that was f- like there full time was something that I found at Eastman that I didn't when I was looking at HBCUs having a teacher that specialized in my instrument was something I found at Eastman that I didn't find at HBCUs having a uh, studio class having um guest artists that was the things that were that were gone over with me when I was preparing for college as you want to have multiple people coming in and, and that's a not even a Eastman versus HBCU thing that's a, that is a conservatory versus like like 
college of music or school of music there are some schools like some universities that have a school of music that is like 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 indiana usc like stuff like that that has they have a school of music that is functionally very similar to a conservatory but conservatories tend to have more money for specialized things like guest artists master class master classes and stuff like that also how often your orchestra is performing is important and we were we were doing like seven eight rehearsals and turning around multiple concerts per semester like that was that was something that was taught to me to consider so those are like the reasons why I didn't go to HBCU for undergrad even though a couple of them had music performance programs and only one of them which was Howard had a, a proper string program which they were by the way downsizing the year that I went to college because I did look into it and then for grad school my major does not exist at any HBCU so that that was kind of that this major or I was also considering a musicology degree which also did not exist at any HBCU so that I've considered other ones to just to go to an HBCU because I really yeah. wanted to go to one. I considered changing my major to go to go to one, but I was just like, I mean, I want to get to where I want to get to, so I feel like that's not really what I should do. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I find when I the reason why I clicked out of that group so quickly that day is because I was like, here we go with another thing. I mean, it's the internet, so you can only expect so much, but here's another thing where you literally must have nuance to have a proper conversation, and y'all, it's like, if if the if the girl, you even said the girl, I forgot her name, but you even said the girl. It's Princess, I think. Is Princess her name, or is that her Twitter handle? I believe her name is Princess. That's cool. I know Princess. I think it's cute. Mm-hmm. Um, One of my uh, high school counselors, her name is Princess. Yeah. <laughs> um... If the girl wanted to be an engineer and she didn't go to Jackson State University, okay, we could have a conversation. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Jackson State is a public school. They got money. They have one of the top engineering programs. A lot of people go black and white go to Jackson State for engineering. We could have a conversation about that. You know what I'm saying? Um, for me, so the reason why I bring up nuance is like I feel like mine's a little bit, there's a little, there's a couple of, uh things some some there's more things that i would not be speaking about because um i'm not comfortable talking about that but i'll talk about the main reasons the first thing is i think the the most overarching reason is the fact that with the high school i went to hbcus were marketed towards us now that is different now because like they have a hbcu college fair at my school now and all that other stuff but when i was going to that school you know, when I when I was going to that school, um, there was like a couple of tracks they would put you on. They're either gonna put you, especially like when you're on the AP track, you're either gonna go to one of the top schools in the area, U of Chicago, Northwestern. Um, you're gonna go to a state school like uh, U of I, Illinois State, where I went, Western Illinois, Batesquase. You're gonna go to a cute, cute little liberal arts thing Tulane was very popular in my school Wash U was very popular or you're gonna go to Big Ten Michigan was very popular in my school uh U of I already said but that's a state school uh Madison um or you're going to go to Oakton Community College which is our local community college I can guarantee I will I will bet my left titty oh. <laughs> <laughs> like that's how sure I am 
I will bet my left titty that at least two thirds of the 600 people that I graduated with did one of those things. Of those four things that I said, I went to Illinois State with 30 people. 30 of us went to ISU alone. Imagine how many people went to U of I. Imagine how many people, like, eight people went to, to Northwestern. And then, and to be honest, like, Ivy Leagues weren't even that popular. Our valedictorian and salutatorian, one went to Yale, one went to Harvard. A couple of people, and then, like, Stanford, a couple of people did that. This, my, our school's trajectory was high AP, high performance. And you want to, I was competing with my peers. I applied to Northwestern. I applied to, and I, not really even for music. I applied to Northwestern for biology, that was the track that I was on. So when music came into the conversation for real, my orchestra teacher was like, no, nah, Katie, for real, like, I think you should da-da-da. By that time, Kate already came to do a master class at ETHS. I was applying to I- ISU. That's where I already, already knew. By the time I decided, like, five people, five, five people, no more than five went to HBCU from a class of 670. It's just not a thing. So that's it's different now. I wanted to go to Hillman. After my mama was like, you can't go to Hillman. It's not a thing. I was like, girl, I'm going to Hillman. I was obsessed with the Cosby show. She was like, you're not going to Hillman. And that's, that's what the, that was the end of the conversation. It wasn't like, girl, you should look at Hampton. It wasn't that. It was like, I wanted to go to Hillman. She said, it's it's fake. I said, no, it's not. You don't see it on TV. She said, girl. Okay. And I was like. So you thought SpongeBob was, was real too? Not too much. I literally, that was a that was a conversation that my mom just has a terrible memory. So she won't remember, but I remember like, girl, it's literally on the TV. Meanwhile, those are those are images of Spellman that they were using to depict Tillman. After that, like the, the conversation was over. It's not the track that was on. Secondly, the music thing. When I went on the websites trying to look at HPCUs, I was same thing with Delaney. There was no viola teacher. I was like, even though I didn't really have my hand, I didn't have a lot of guidance applying to music school I would I'm like that's no tea to my teacher I just said I have a lot of guidance my orchestra teacher told me I'm going to ISU I was like not too much I'm going where I'm going and I end up going to ISU anyway outside of that like I didn't have a lot of guidance I was doing my tapes and I didn't do no tapes none of my schools required tapes I didn't even play a full concerto movement I played the exposition of Stamets and some of the random piece that's what I had it was I was in a completely I, I was not on track to do none of the stuff I did with viola and um, what I was gonna say, but I knew I had good sense to know that I should probably study with a viola teacher. And then when I finally, same thing with Delaney, when I finally was like, you know, girl, nah, uh-uh, like at least apply to one, have it as an option. When I finally tried to, I'm like, let me do the Xavier. I was like, Xavier, like it's a Christian university. It sounds like a good time. It sounds like a good fit. I'll just do my little biology major. Call today. I missed the deadline by a week, and I called. And I'm like, girl, please let me apply, please. They're like, ma'am, ain't nothing we could do for you. So that was it. There's like there those those are like the main reasons why I didn't go to HBCU personally. And then when Eastman was on the table for grad school, I was like, where am I going to get a VL performance degree at at the master's level at HBCU? And mind you, you had a blood teacher at Eastman. You probably wouldn't have, <laughs> wouldn't have had one. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, I don't, it's like there's lucky. a lot of nuance. I got lucky, man. Yeah, for real. Cuz I got lucky. It's like Especially, yeah, especially, like, a lot. And also, even for the ones, like, I think the most fully, like, fleshed out music program at HBCU is probably Howard. And even a lot of their private teachers are adjunct. And, like, my teacher mm-hmm. was was 
that was a thing and that's also not even a specifically a hbcu thing because actually a lot of conservatories that have teachers that are on like teachers that um do other things like my teacher did do other things he actually went on a sabbatical my freshman year for a couple months in my freshman year from october to march but generally is there all the time and i've heard of people um, who have teachers who are touring so much that they're doing a bulk of their lessons for the semester in a couple of weeks mm-hmm. you know and um so that was the thing specifically that that I um that drew me to Eastman because my teacher was there all the time and he was giving extra lessons and extra yeah. studio classes and stuff like that so having somebody that is there full time and that is like their it's their priority to teach here yeah and it's not that it's not their priority to teach there but it may it may be a funding thing it may, like it just it that's not their position they don't have a they're not a full professor mm-hmm. and so like that's a that's another thing and I also looked up that girl princess and yeah that was one of the things she cited was that she wanted a conservatory style environment it's just it's it's very different like especially like i feel like hbcus from from an outsider's perspective they lean towards band like you said and they lean towards voice Mm -hmm. so it's like yeah you could get a you could get a stellar vocal performance degree at tsu tech uh tennessee state right patrick shout out to patrick shout out to patrick it's just not there's just so much nuance that y'all don't consider and then also i also would like to say like the okay it's the internet a thing i'm talking about from my experience it's just so it's different now i'm telling you it's different now these kids have so much there's just so much access now like um monica ended up not going to spellman (laughs) but did i tell you that no Girl, that's another reason why when we get to the, the whole this just go to HBCU thing. Now I ain't gonna say that in mixed company, but mm-hmm. I, I would never. I'm not gonna say that. Say that's one. It's her business, and two, <laughs> that's the primary thing. One, it's her business, and then the second thing is that that's another thing. with the whole just go to HBCU comment is kind of like my my friend Nikki. Nikki's been on the show. She was supposed to go to Clark Atlanta. They screwed over. That is that is not the norm, but it's something that has to be said I, it won't be said here but it's something that has to be said um monica didn't end up going but she she applied to spellman she she was going she was going to spellman like it's just it was just it's just a different time now like the internet makes those things accessible and also but i will say like you have to consider like even like the regional implications from my house right now from where i'm sitting right now i can name three or four hpcus within 50 miles of me okay 50 is a, a stretch within a hundred miles of me within two to three hours from me i can i can name four and then if i want to if i want to make it even even if i made it five hours a five hour radius i could probably name 10 in the south it's just like yeah we go to tsu yeah um yeah fisk yeah it's just like a different you have to consider like the regional thing like now she's from chicago they might be having different conversations from whatever part of Chicago she is, but I'm just saying, like, we don't, there ain't no HBCU in Skokie, Illinois. Ain't no HBCU in Evanston, Highland Park. It's just not. So it's just like, when you grow up around that culture, I just feel like that also informs your thinking. Yeah. Like, it just, it just, like, and I'm, it's not an excuse. The internet exists. I understand it. I don't want to hear it. But it's just like, there's literally so many HBCUs even right here in Tennessee. Half the students I taught um, over the summer know, know they are going to TSU. They know they are going to Fisk. They already know that. It's just different. 
Yeah, and I feel like like what she was saying about like how you went to ISU with thirty other people, like mm-hmm. it also yeah, it does depend on like what what is marketed towards you. Like I went to an arts high school and it was conservatory style high school, like you will get put on arts probation before you get put on academic probation. Like that was <laughs> but like like for real, I'm not like I'm not even kidding. Like for if you are not doing well in orchestra or whatever, like you will be put on arts probation. It don't matter you can have straight D's, but you better be you better be passing your juries. Like mm-hmm. and it was very conditioned. It was like they, they modeled it to be conservatory style where after lunch after lunch everything was arts. And mm-hmm. before, um, even on days when we didn't have class, like Halloween was a big deal at my school. And we didn't have academics, but we had arts classes on Halloween. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I went to Eastman with seven other people from my high school. See? And Eastman has less than 900 students. That is a lot. That's a lot. That is a lot for a school that has less than 900 students. And that's not that's undergrad and graduate combined. So it's about mm-hmm. 500, a little bit, probably a little bit less than 500 undergraduate students. And in my four years, I'm there with seven, seven other people. That's a lot. Like, <laughs> so just, it's just, like, just from your school, not from your state, just from your just school. Just from my school. And my school wasn't big either. Right. My, I think my graduating class was about 160 people. And you think about like schools, like what Peyton went to. You going to tell Peyton, just go to HBCU. Like Peyton went to, what's it called? Southern Governor School, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, you think they, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with state schools as a graduate of a state school. But you think they telling him, you think they telling him, you think they marketed him to go to to us to the university of of well probably usc columbia is, is a, has a, a pretty big music program a really good one too but you know what i'm saying it's like you teach him these kids move from their homes to go to this school for music on a college campus they're probably sending them to eastman send them to juilliard send them like those are the schools that are being marketed towards them they're probably not even talking to Peyton about about jsu yeah, I feel like, yeah, like you were saying, it's just, like, nuance that people don't have because it's, like, I feel like y'all just want, like, people just want black people that go to PWIs to be miserable. And it's, like, first of all, we already go to PWIs. That's not bad enough. And second of all, like, um, y'all, like, y'all see black people in these positions, like, doing things that, like, oh, I never knew a black person could do that or I've never seen a black person. Like, you'll see, for example, someone seeing the Gateways Orchestra for the first time or some or seeing John Batiste, he just premiered that his his concerto or his symphony or something at Carnegie Hall. It's like, he went to Juilliard? Like, mm-hmm. how do you, how do y'all think y'all see the black people that you see get into these positions? Like, when it when it comes to other other areas, like people that went to law school, yeah, they probably, they could have gone to Howard. They could have gone to Howard Medical School. They could have gone. But for stuff like, like the stuff that y'all see the gateways orchestra the people winning sphinx and stuff like that they didn't go to hbcus Mm -hmm. and i'm sure some of them will depend on who a lot of them would have would have loved to go could you imagine the hbcu conservatory i would have been in there oh my gosh before my eyes lay closed for the final time i would love to just know that there is one i would oh my gosh i would have loved that i would have loved that but it's like y'all want like i feel like hbcus first of all are a barrier that was broken we had a barrier to entry to higher education and hbcu hbcus broke those those barriers and when and there are still a lot of barriers it's barriers to getting into orchestras and to playing on these concert hall stages and this is how people are breaking them for now hopefully one day 
people can break them by going to a HBCU conservatory, going to an all black conservatory. But right now, like people have to, they got to get in where they fit in. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I did. It would have been great. Also, I was talking to Delaney, like when we were uh, planning this and I was like, there's a certain, I, I feel like while I do understand like what people are saying, like, if you want community, go to HBCU. Okay, so now you're at this PWI. You'd be supposed to suffer. Like, black people take blackness everywhere, and they just carve out a little section of it. And I understand why that makes you so. I just feel like it's weird to me. Like, to say that, like, the most comfortable I ever felt in classical music was when I was at Eastman. That's asinine. <laughs> like. Like I, because it's like when you think about what Eastman is, but it's like, and I not to say like I wasn't comfortable at ISU, especially towards my the end, especially towards the end. Like I was having a good, I was having a ball. You, you talk to certain professors, I was having too much fun. <laughs> but, um, but I would say like comfortable, like bringing all of me. Let me not say that because me and Eileen had some stories, but like I don't know, just like just comfortable. Yeah, like comfortable, like completely comfortable in a space. Like I, I often said that, like, ground at HBCU. Like that's that's how I felt. Like I had all my friends were black. I had black students. My teacher was black. I had a, you know, I had a white professor sprinkled in, which you know, and so do y'all. So, so <laughs> like, 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 and I understand why that makes you so mad because we're comfortable. Like I don't understand. I don't understand that. Maybe someone who, and I understand like there's a huge pride and there should be there's a huge pride when you attend the hbc when you're a part when you can say like i'm hbcu educated i understand that but like I, it just confuses me like why you why like you think we should be like punished because like we turned your our backs on y'all or something like yeah. i don't i don't understand like what 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 that is i don't get it yeah it's like and also when i wanted to be a dentist howard dental school was my was my top choice i was like the minute i get an isc we gotta go we gotta we gotta go that's my that was my top choice dental school howard dental that's where i wanted to go i mean it looked it worked out I ain't, you know i ain't doing that now but <laughs> people do what they gotta do when they can do it yeah yeah that sucks because it's like yeah i don't know it's like we like y'all want us to be miserable and it's like to a certain extent i mean I found my little situation at Eastman. I didn't. I wouldn't even say I found. I made it, really. Like mm-hmm. you know, and it was a shame that I had to do that. But at the same time, it's like, and have my plans changed since I first went there? Yes. And so that's another thing. Like y'all saying, oh, why didn't you just go to an HBCU? At the time, I mean, even even now, getting a master's degree in my my area of study does not exist at an HBCU. But even so, like people, the, the decisions that people make when they're seventeen are not like the end all be all one because there's people that went to an hbcu and then go to a pwi for grad school or vice versa Mm -hmm. right and for what i wanted to do at the time i think i made the right decision you know Mm -hmm. like for what i wanted to do at the time like that was just kind of it was kind of like a no-brainer you know and I, i really could not justify that and i feel like a lot of people are are um ignoring the fact that 
there's a lot of different things that go into it because some people were like well not everybody can afford to go to hbcu and i'm like yeah but she go to usc usc is expensive as hell like yeah. <laughs> um so it's like that's not really the only reason why people don't go to hbcus because they're expensive also but usc does also have a lot of money to give to people and mm-hmm. they have a thing like if your family if your household makes below like eighty thousand dollars i think two years tuition free and oh shoot yeah and it's like people are like well that's not even a lot and i'm like yeah because people like i mean of course if even if you make over eighty thousand dollars you still can't afford to pay for usc out of pocket like mm-hmm. <laughs> you just can't but um but also like that's but i don't think that i think that was one of the things that made the why didn't you just go to hbcu people feel more validated because people would say oh well, nobody can aff- like not everybody can afford it and then they could jump back with how expensive it is to go to usc or go to whatever mm-hmm. And it's like, no, but that's not the only reason. Like, going, choosing where you're going to spend the next four years of your life, it has a bunch of different factors. Yeah. And and some of them may not matter as much to other people. Location may not matter as much. Size of the school may not matter as much. But they do to some people. Like, mm-hmm. so it's, it's a puzzle. You got to figure out, like, what what's going to work. And also, like, okay, so she went to USC or whatever. She got, she, for her degree and whatever other reasons, and it's like what another thing I found weird was like, so she she probably grew up doing majorette dance, and she she grew up doing majorette dance. She's supposed she misses dance. She's supposed to to just do what just to miss it. That's it. She's just supposed to be like oh well. And also y'all y'all over here with all this vitriol and all this hoopla, and it's like. Yeah, <laughs> It's like y'all mad, and the people who are in the community, I feel like it's also split. But like, so Diana Williams, she's pretty famous in the HBCU dance world because she does um, the dancing dolls, not Southern University. Like, she's they started in Jackson, they're a community dance team, and they had that show on Lifetime called Bring It. And she kind of helped bring, I, I mean, I don't think anyone would disagree with this. She kind of helped she kind of helped like people see bring us into the world of hbcu dance and like ma- the majorette style because i remember even when they premiered it back in 2011 I'm like why are these girls dancing like this like why y'all popping like this and it's like it's it's like they it's they're not twerking but they like i was like that's a lot and it's just like no it's the style of dance and she is the she's gonna help them get a book which, which means like every every um every style every every school has a different style of dance and they have a count book like what are counts that they throw counts that they do like eight counts and she she gonna go over there and she gonna help them develop a style so y'all over here going back and forth on twitter when you should be doing what your boss asked you to do at your nine to five and you have somebody who's one of the leaders in the in the community gonna go over to california and help them develop their style so they can they can continue it on so it's just like y'all over here bickering for what they gonna do what they gonna do and they have support yeah and oh and by the way i want to say that she um the girl that started the thing she is a musical theater major mm-hmm. so that was also like um probably a factor in her going to this specific program um mm-hmm. um not even just for the the program within the school but also the location right you know it, in los angeles she wants to do she's she's studying with um if you want to do like you know music industry stuff los angeles is where you need to be freaking patrice russian teaches at usc are you kidding me 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, do you like, like, come on, man. Um, and what was I, what was I finna say? You know what I found out the other day, and I was wondering what people thought about this is that USC actually has an HBCU exchange program where you can go and go to an HBCU for a semester as a USC student. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was just like, I mean, I think it, you know, I feel like maybe it depends on, on what you're studying. Like I said, there's a lot of different factors that go into where you go to school. So if those factors weighed in USC's favor, but you still want to experience the HBCU. But I was like, they they really going to be mad at that. <laughs> really? So y'all could just come over here and, and tip tap and then leave? Which I mean, that's why I'm kind of like at a pause. I don't know how I feel about it. I yeah. mean, it's cool, but like, I don't know. It's, I'm not going to. I'm not going to parse that through here. I was excited when I saw it because, like I said, I could not I, I could not have gone to an HBCU. So if I had the mm-hmm. opportunity to just go spend a semester, like I feel like I would have been fine for taking a semester from Eastman and going to one. You would know? You do it, would you extend your studies and do it now? I can't do it. It's only for undergraduate students. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I feel like I would, for sure, if I, if I, um, if I couldn't also if my program was longer. Yeah. Um, but it's only for undergraduate students. Hmm. But that's cool though. Interesting concept. Yeah. Um, I didn't look. You know, once I found out I couldn't do it, I didn't look like too much into it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. But I feel like people will be mad at that because again, no nuance in terms of why someone might not go to one. It's like HBCUs. HBCUs are amazing. You can get a phenomenal education at one. But they are they cannot be everything to everybody. Yeah. Just like a PWI is not everything to everybody because ain't no black people over there, depending on where right. you go. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's a give and take. Like now the problem is when people when people be like shitting on HBCUs in favor of PWIs. Cause it's like neither one is going to give you everything that you need depending on what you're yeah. doing. Because HBCU, depending on what I was studying, probably would have gave me everything that I needed. Mm-hmm. If I was going, you know, if I was doing something like if I was like pre-med or something, I was going to Howard, I probably would have every single thing that I needed. Yeah. But for what I was doing, I wouldn't have. The only like valid argument I saw against the dance, and I, I use valid lightly because I'm about to about to like contradict that the only valid or like substantial argument i saw against the program is that like what if it's colonized and while i think like that is a valid concern because there's there's a history of white things being co-opted by black things being co-opted by white people and then not only that them making it their own like even like the even on a, a simple example like the like uh either either Kylie or Kendall Jenner's boxer braids you know on a on a simple on a simple level like that there is a history of that I was like but before y'all got like all hot in the pants about that if you look at HBCUs now and before that ha- that's happening there 
So even currently right now, I was telling Delaney, the head drum major at Jackson State University is from Guatemala. And the there's a Pranton J set that's from Mexico. And you can read an article about them because they, they JSU released an article or maybe not JSU, I don't remember who, about how um how historic it was that there was a Hispanic person in a in a in a leadership position and there was a Hispanic J set at the same time. The Golden Girls at Alcorn State had a white girl on their team in the early nineties. And at least Priscilla looked good. That girl looked a fool. I don't even know how she made cuts to be dancing at them games. So it's it's not only is it happening at HPCUs, but it it has happened. So that is gonna be for me, in my opinion, from the outside looking in, that's gonna be something that they're going to have to circumvent on their own and figure out what that what they want to do about that. But I think just to see people see black people enjoying something and to be like to hit them with all this vitriol and hate because they want to enjoy something they used to like or something that they've wanted to explore but couldn't at USC is just weird to me. Yeah, Katie was laughing at me because because <laughs> I mean, for one on one hand, yeah, like y'all talking about well, what if, what if, what if it's white people at HBCUs, it's white people in y'all sororities, y'all fraternities and it's like so and, and y'all was defending that white delta down okay Listen, i told but, delaney i have my opinions on that i will not be sharing and what what, what were you what, what that, <laughs> you remember ah! so if a white girl came up to you and was like katie i'm trying to get <laughs> so <SG> messy <laughs> <laughs> your response would be you're not gonna finish what she was talking about i'm like and, and princess she's a delta and I'm like, so y'all, y'all, y'all was defending that white Delta down, but she can't be one because she go to USC, right? Especially like, I feel like sororities. I even told them like, like not even all, not even all of the D nine was started at HBCUs. So if you go to a PWI, you can only join SGRO, Alpha. The Alphas would hate that, and right? because because oh. Alphas was started at Cornell. But and Martin Luther King Jr. is your old friend. But he went to Morehouse, so he can't join Alpha? Like, come on now. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can only join Alpha, Iota, and SG Row, and, uh, and the Kappas. Sorry. I take the Iotas off. Iotas were at Morgan State. So you can only join Kappas, SG Row, and Alphas if you go to PWI. Does that make sense to y'all? Right. And mind and, you, oh, what was you going to say? No, nah, I mean, I, I was going to say that not everything could be flip-flopped, I understand, but just for the purpose of the argument yeah i mean but f- for real like it, the what people were saying was you bringing something from a hbcu over to a pwi and it's like okay like i don't i feel like we have accepted certain parts of black culture that were originated at pwis into hbcu culture mm-hmm. so why can't black people at other places like participate in that and mind you usc is in the hood so <laughs> i'm not i'm never gonna ever ever in my life gonna tell a black person to leave that school alone because they just find yeah. the area regardless so it's like so now we tell black people not to go there so they they can just eat up the rest of the black people there yeah and drive them out no if you got the opportunity to go i say go mm-hmm. because 
y'all not getting rid of me. <laughs> so period. Um. Yeah. Oh, that's that's what I was gonna say. Katie was Katie was laughing at me because people were saying like, what if it gets, you know, what if like is it gonna be able to stay black you know down the line i was like both of y'all to assume there's a line because earth is dying so how about we just worried about what's going on right now right because i mean listen i was like the lady be for real but honestly how many more years we got i was just about to say we're gonna be y- y'all could worry about it when we major it on saturn's rings so <laughs> right because y'all over here worried about the planet y'all saw the y'all saw the um when Bi- when Biden went to that lady funeral, you saw the plane he took over there to get there. Now, to be fair, if I was Biden, I would, would not be riding on a coach bus either. That's I'm that's what I'm saying. I I don't blame him. But when he flew that big, he didn't even take Air Force One. He took that big old military plane. I watched it. I was so it was fascinating. When he landed, they took trucks and 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 um vans out of the plane's butt to drive him to um to where he was going. Y'all need to worry about that. How much gas that plane used up to get across the Atlantic to take all that? I'm telling you, he had a truck. He had some of them Escalades and some more stuff in that plane. Worry about that. They could have put him on a boat. Period. Well, let us know your thoughts. Well, actually, it's okay. Yeah, I was about to say. (laughs) (laughs) Never Turn mind. to your neighbor and let them know <laughs> <Right>. your thoughts. <laughs> and say, neighbor, Delaney and Katie don't care. Amen. Because, yeah, like, it's really nothing but love. Like, it's really nothing but love. But at the same time, it's like, y'all, like, I just don't, I just hate having this conversation. Every time I see black people arguing about something like this, because they're like, oh, well, just because it's black culture, but it's HBCU culture within that. And it's just like, we always, like, I understand we can have unity without uniformity. Not all black culture is like interchange. Like I'm not going to say my background is the exact same as Katie's because we're both black. It's not. Mm-hmm. Katie, Katie is Jamaican. I am not. We we have similarities. We have differences. But it's like when people be. I feel like this happens so much with us. And I'm wondering. I was talking to Mar about this a while ago, because we were in this. This is back when Clubhouse was popping. And we was in this um, room listening to, I forgot what the exact subject was, but we were listening to Asian people talk about their experiences and stuff. And I was, I have a, like a theory about this, about why black people fight about this stuff so much. And I wonder, like, I know that they have their own inner conflicts in their diaspora as well, but I feel like, I wonder if they have, if it's as, as, um, just vitriolic as it is for us mm-hmm. the diaspora wars that we have because they are also like a a pan community you know mm-hmm. that is all all across the world but also has their own places that they originate from and they have similarities but they also have vast cultural differences just like black people do and so i'm like i always wonder how how that relationship is with them but i feel like it's a little different because i feel like when you have like pan whatever communities pan african pan asian communities I feel like there are two things that define different sections and that's land and language. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of them have more definition in that, even if they don't speak their language, um, 
can trace their their lineage back to a certain land or know where they're from mm-hmm. but i feel like with black people a lot of black people have the same thing like if you're from a country in Africa, you might have some language, even if you, even if you speak a colonized language, because so do we, but like, even if you speak French or, or whatever, but you speak your language or you know where you're from, same thing if you're from the Caribbean, something like that. But black Americans have neither. And so I don't, I'm someone, I don't care. I'm Pan-African team. I don't care what kind of black you are. You can, have our stuff you can use our stuff I'm not going to be upset with you about that but I feel like the disconnect that we have is that because black Americans don't have I mean you could call America our land but I mean like land for real for real you mm-hmm. know a land that accepts you that is you, you call home in a way that feels like home mm-hmm. you know but our I feel like our culture as black Americans is very accessible because we speak English and um so even people who live here who come from other countries or who come from other countries that maybe their secondary language is English or whatever, like it's just our culture has been also appropriated a lot and just become mm-hmm. more globalized. Mm-hmm. I feel like other types of black people are able to dip into our culture, which again, I don't have a problem with, but it's not, it's no, it's not reciprocated because like mm-hmm. we literally cannot, I can't just start acting Jamaican because I can't. I mean, start, just do it. I mean, but I can't, like, for real, like, be, I cannot go, you and Nikki and you, Shane, in there speaking Patois, I cannot participate. I just, I can't, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that reason why we have all of these rifts is because, like, I feel like people are not okay with exchanging culture. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like they, like, we, like, we just exclude each other so much. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like. And I feel like maybe other people don't realize how much they participate in black culture, like black American culture, and then push us away when they, mm-hmm. when there are parts of, the, of their culture that we cannot participate in, which is fine because we're different. But like, I feel like when people have that thing that differentiates them, that that they can tie themselves back to a certain amount of land or a certain language, like they really harp on that and are like, this is mine you know like and so mm-hmm. i feel like that's what the hbcu thing is it's like well it's hbcu culture so we're carving this out and and that's not the same but it's like why are we policing the blackness within something that is very accessible like mm-hmm. we i feel like we should be happy that we have that middle ground as black mm-hmm. americans that we can't welcome in black people from other places like mm-hmm. in and just like be fine with it but i feel like that's low-key like why does that conflict is there a lot like I haven't thought I haven't talked about that in a long time because it was like a theory I had a long time ago about why we're kind of just like in limbo yeah like because I just feel like we're just like because black Americans don't have either of those things like we tend to want to like gatekeep the stuff that we do have mm-hmm. from other black people but gatekeep it from everybody else as much as we want I, I believe in that heavy mm-hmm. but like like we want to gatekeep it and then like other people other types of black people they they really don't even have to try hard you could just start speaking another language mm-hmm. <laughs> and i'm not gonna be able but i feel like we just kind of like and i feel like the diaspora war is like it's just so pointless to me like i just i hate when black people start arguing about i'm this type of black i'm that type of black and and y'all this and y'all that and it's just like who cares bro you know what's the most hurtful part about it like 
we probably don't have time to go into this and it's probably not the space to go into this but like they really they really did a number on us like with like how how black americans were perceived to the diaspora and and then the people who immigrated here believe that stuff i think that that's also a huge part of the rift a huge part of the rift with like even even looking i can only speak about jamaica specifically because that's like half of my lineage and it's like black people were here fighting for better pay fighting for better pay uh fighting for better working conditions fighting for um more you know more i said pay more money better working Mm -hmm. conditions better working hours fighting for that not taking less like no we not finna do all this for pennies so while while they were fighting for that here the white people were going to jamaica going to going to africa going to uh barbados belize i mean like these these not belize Bar- uh, barbados bahamas i meant to say trinidad and being like they're not working up here so why don't y'all come do this stuff and they went because they came and destroyed they came and destroyed jamaica destroyed trinidad let's immigrate to america and so that's like one of of several factors there's so there's like i feel like we should be talking more about like instead of doing these weird diaspora wars even the ones that seem like the ones that are not my business like the jalaf wars that they seem <laughs> that they seem harmless but like from my outsiders looking in like yeah it's funny like lol like nigeria got the best jalaf senegal got the best jalaf da-da-da. well senegal started jalaf they would first it's like yeah and then it gets it gets to a level where it's like okay yeah it's like it seemed harmless but actually like they it's working you know like yeah. they, we're doing what they wanted to, you know what i'm saying i feel like if we start talking more about the origins of these rifts i feel like we we will get a lot farther you know what i'm saying because i i don't even remember where i learned about i think i learned about it from kadeen and deval and their instagram that's not that's not fair they they deval uh, works a lot with tyler perry now but w- at the beginning of their relationship with kadeen who is i forgot where her dad is from and her mom is jamaican and that was a huge rift they had in their relationship because deval was like we built this for y'all and and uh, and and y'all come and start calling us ladies y'all calling us this and that mm-hmm. that's why i really started like looking into it more i'm like where does that come from you know because if we could fix that we might be on to something we might be getting somewhere because it's always something like it's always something with this stuff it's either yeah. i just took black women slash black men off of mute because of that whole thing with that therapist that went on 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 twitter where like black women and black men was fighting like cats and oh, freaking girl. dogs i didn't mean to check on her terrible see she okay. like i muted that and i took that off of mute and i added hbcu and pwi because that's another one so black mm-hmm. women black men that's one hbcu pwi that's another light skin dark skin that's another one immigrant native uh not native american but you know what i mean uh mm-hmm. black american and then within because immigrant could be from multiple different places so caribbeans versus africans africans versus african-americans like it's just like it's freaking relentless northern black people versus southern black people like when when they was trying to tell us what they when they was trying to tell us we can't celebrate juneteenth because we're not from we're we're not from the south i'm like y'all are losing it and i was like where how do you think we got here y'all are losing it they're like oh you from la you can't celebrate 
how do you think we got here? None, no, I have four grandparents. None of them are from here. They are all yeah. from the South. How do you think we got here? Are you kidding yeah. me? Like, <laughs> we can't celebrate Juneteenth because we not, we not from the South. And then some people are like, well, not even from the South. You're not from Texas. And it's just like, the oh, Texas my. thing, that was like, <gasps> that's where I, I can I even, like, that's where I clicked off. I was like, all right. And I'm like, first of all, <laughs> we got to be from like, Texas. We got to be from that part of Texas. That and then it was one. like, oh, well, you're not from Galveston. I was like, <laughs> that's, yeah. We got to be from Galveston. And I'm like, your ancestors who was celebrating Juneteenth for the first time wasn't from Galveston. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. What are you talking about? Like, we just arguing, arguing, arguing over stuff that, like, does not freaking matter, bro. Like, and, and like, we was talking about with Kadena and, and Deval, like, I dated a Nigerian who was from Nigeria, like, came here when he was, like, what, 24 for grad school and was like, yeah, my mama got a slur for y'all. Like, 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 he was like, yeah, like, they do not like black Americans. Like, I'm not trying to say all Nigerians, but from where he was from, he was like, yeah, it's like, he was like, I had to adjust, like, I learned a lot when I moved to America Mm -hmm. and, like, and learn, like, oh, like, y'all not lazy stupid and all this stuff yeah i'm telling you like a lot of reasons uh, another thing that i was talking to actually jen about um is is the anti-blackness that a lot of i could only speak for jamaicans that a lot of jamaicans have right like it's like it's working right audit and y'all fell for it Mm-hmm. and i'm not even fit i'm not gonna we don't have a whole lot a lot of what i've observed in my and I'm not talking about we as in black Americans I'm talking about we as in like my family and people that I've spoken to most Mm -hmm. of it is just ignorance of not like knowing like for example like not knowing all the a lot of them I mean we've talked about the whole post-civil rights generation and how they've been Mm -hmm. so far removed from a lot of stuff but they also don't realize the unique struggles of black immigrants and stuff you Mm -hmm. know of how like like for example I said I dated a Nigerian and my my mom and no one on my family knew that like no he can't just get like he can't just fly over here you know like for your past having an american passport is a privilege like not Mm -hmm. all passports are the same like they didn't know that and it's just like you gotta get a visa you gotta get a visa if you have a jamaican passport you gotta get a visa to come to to come to america on a jamaican passport yeah so it's like a lot of stuff like some stuff is just ignorant but i also have heard some stuff that's been just like like prejudice towards other types of black people for no reason you like from black americans it's like black americans it's like all of us like just needs to chill bro <laughs> one of yeah one of my sorority sisters one of my sorority sisters um a couple months ago on facebook was talking about how like they're for older immigrants i feel like there's a little bit of a i don't want to speak for them but there there's a little bit of like a not even a jealousy maybe like a hurt because like now that Afro beats is front and center, reggae's front and center, you know, freaking um Burner Boy had the song of the summer. As you know what I'm saying? And it's mm-hmm. like she was commenting she's Jamaican she's commenting and she was like, I was at school hiding my accent. It was not cool to be Jamaican back then. You know, because of stuff, you know, stuff that people would say to you. So, you know, I wasn't gonna go to school, you know, rice and peas. I remember I remember my friend, my former friend she bought bulla she bought a bulla sandwich to school and bulla is like a bulla is like a, a jamaican like sweet bread kind of like yeah it's like a sweet bread okay. but it's kind of hawaiian rolls no i'm just playing 
<laughs> okay, let's go. Let's go with that. It's like a Hawaiian roll, but it's bigger and brown and more dense. It's like a. It's like a dense. Oh, cake. Like, like cheesecake factory. Oh. Okay, we almost went there. Almost there. <laughs> like, because you said it's it's brown. It's like that sounds like that brown bread that Richard like. <laughs> okay, okay, here we go. You know, like a ginger snap. It's like a big old soft ginger slap snap with no ginger. Mm, okay, okay, okay. That's the texture you would get. Like, a, you know how a ginger snap is like kind of doughy. Mm-hmm. It's like that, but no ginger. That's like that's exactly it, and it's big. It's like a piece of. It's like a round bread. When she brought a bullet sandwich to school, we was in sixth grade. It's it's 2004 i'm like girl you are brave my people you eating a bullet sandwich it was just a different time like everybody everybody hiding their accent like it's a different time and there's there's a kind of like a like like a sadness not not a jealousy just an observation and a sadness how stuff has changed yeah and it's like you're happy for it but it's also like girl like i would never do no jamaica stuff at school like girl i'm just here I would never do no stuff like that. Don't don't pack me no don't pack me no collar to take to school. So I gotta heat it up in front of everybody. Don't pack me nothing. Like, right. what's that lunch. smell? Like, yeah. what's you know? And and I, yeah, I was talk- one of my professors who was black. He was in he was at I think one of the award shows in South Africa, and was saying like they was playing these huge drums like huge like bigger than a person like they would just and like everybody knew what to do when they started playing this beat and everybody was dancing and whatever and he was like how have I never heard this and and whatever and the people was like because like they're trying to mimic the sound like the American sound because this was not the cool thing to do this was mm-hmm. not what what was getting people noticed in music was not mm-hmm. their like their actual sound of their country mm-hmm. and now I'm telling you music industry all eyes are on Africa yeah right now want to tell you like even like in this you know social media heavy modernized time like even i was surprised burning boy everybody singing last last i was like what a world spice made it to mainstream i'm like spice like Tim's, like it's crazy like it's just even it's so funny how the world changed when even i was in in elementary school to now you know mm-hmm. like yeah it's 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 a lot different i mean it's like we can see eye to eye on some things, but then it's like the little girl can't even start her little thing at the. She's a she's an adult. The young lady can't even start her her dance team. That's where that's where we that start drawing lines. Yeah, come on, man. There's a video that went viral. One more thing, speaking of yo, the do you dated? There's a video that went viral a couple months ago. These these kids bought like big old things are like fufu and jollof and agusi to school and it was sharing it and there are people in the comment nigerians in the comments who were like this is insane like you would like same type of thing with my store like like it's cool but it's like a sadness like we was not eating that we was not doing that like mm-hmm. you know you kind of feel bad for them you feel a, i feel a sorrow for them yeah. that like they but it's also like an excitement that like these kids can now they can bring their cultural foods to school and they bring it for their friends to try you know yeah. i like that a lot mm-hmm. this girl i follow on tiktok uh the snack queen she's very she's very popular maybe like two million subscribers she was like she was she's Taiwanese. She was like, "Don't pack none of that rice." She was like, "Don't pack none. her to her mom." Like, I want a sandwich. No one good and daggone well. She don't want no sandwich. But she like, she grew up in in Southern California. She don't want to. She don't want. 
she didn't want that she didn't want no no rice and no seaweed and nothing like that she didn't want none of that just make me a sandwich i think it's sad yeah which is crazy because it's like white people telling y'all that meanwhile worst food out of everybody like <laughs> y'all bringing cream cheese and cucumber sandwiches like <laughs> like let's be serious bro <laughs> Like let's be serious. like y'all are putting beans on top. I said I was gonna try it because what is going on? Nah. Y'all put in beans. It's I wonder if it's good. It's not even like baked beans. It's like tomato. It's in a tomato uh, sauce. And then y'all eat it. And then the, the bread. Don't even get me started on that English breakfast. And y'all talk about some blood sausage. But that's this is my thing. We don't gotta eat everything. That's the problem. Like I understand. Oh, waste whatever, whatever. The blood, bro. You can't just let that draw. That's that drain thing. out. I'm talking about as a, like Jamaicans eat. I mean. Everybody eat tripe. It's, I think it has different names. Chitlins, whatever. Fine. We can talk about that. There's a, also, there's a reason for that. There's a reason why Jamaicans eat chicken feet. Because yeah, th- there is a lot of reason for, for like, a, a lot of the, the cultural foods that we have that be nasty. But not nasty, like, the way they yeah. taste. But, like, that be That's what was left like, for us. Like, yeah. chicken feet were left for us. Uh, neck bones were left for us. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why we have chicken foot soup. You think you think Jamaicans, before we got colonized, were like, yup. Yeah, out of the all foot, that chicken, out of all that chicken, the feet, <laughs> yup, the feet, that right, right there. But um, but, the know, blood sausage. You said what? What was you gonna say? I was like, the blood sausage. That's what I feel like. Y'all are losing it. Like, yeah. okay, I understand. Like, the I like mushrooms. I could do a little much saute mushroom. Y'all got the little tomato going on. A little, you know, I could do a little vegan egg. The hash browns always look good. And then a, a blood sausage. What's wrong? You know what blood tastes like? It tastes like irony and like. Yeah. <laughs> like I ordered all the really really good breakfast breakfast sausage is so good but y'all chose the blood y'all chose the blood are you kidding me all the spices that go on a breakfast sausage oh my god breakfast sausage is so freaking good but y'all eating blood sausage instead and I, and I was just about to say I thank my grandma every day for she was the one that phased chitlins out of the family <laughs> Because they was eating chicken, cause her, cause my mom was like, yeah, my grandma used to have, my grandma used to make chitlins all the time and whatever. And I'm like, see, and my grandma, the buck stopped with her, and cause no on my way. dad's side, some of them do still eat chitlins, and they could do that alone. Shout out to your grandma for breaking generational curses. <laughs> right. <laughs> I went to my paternal grandmother's house for Thanksgiving one year, and I was like, I was like nine, but I was like. I thought that was fake. I thought y'all was playing. Like, cause remember, Medea was like at the height. She started to gain traction. She was all Medea was always talking about chillings. I'm like, I thought that was a joke. <laughs> so you thought chillings was a joke, but Hillman was real. <laughs> <laughs> but Way you know what? That's how, it, that's how it ought to be. Way that's to bring it, it back around. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it ought to be. Hillman should be real and chillings should be fake. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like Jamaicans eat tripe, and I think that's the same. And you over here and your go head soup too. Go ahead. I mean, listen. To be fair, when I ate meat, I was not a huge fan. Like the broth is good, but I didn't like the mystery of it. Like yeah. you scoop, you could scoop to the bottom of the bowl. It's a jaw, tongue, brain. You should make a vegan, a vegan go ahead soup. How you finna do Girl, that? Girl, I have to go get all type of different mushrooms to mimic the different. Like thing. you, you, you making a sculpture, <laughs> right? I gotta freaking, I gotta get me some rocks. You know what? I, have you seen a goat jaw before? Girl, I'm okay. It always like I would I would if anybody first of all I feel like to drink managed water in Jamaica you have to know Jamaican like I I, I feel like there's a, some foods like they they're not serving chitlins at hotels they're not finna serve managed water at a hotel I I doubt it I freaking doubt it um but I would I would if you have a chance I would try it just ask for no meat 
because it's not gonna be the goat part i feel like there's rarely goat body in manish water <laughs> goat body manish water always gonna have head and it's gonna be <laughs> you might you might get an eyeball i'm telling you it's all type of stuff you go it's just a potpourri <laughs> it's like I, I don't know a lot of people who like manish water who would ask for it but if you go to a jamaican funeral you, there's gonna be manish water there so you know somebody that, that that's a that's a given oh, you're around it you know what I mean? I mean, you know what I, i'm gonna bring you some next time i no. see you wait go ahead soup <laughs> you said you tr- you said you like gold which i was actually very surprised by because goat can be gamey from what I remember. Well, uh, but also I tried it in America. And I tried goat again, which the guy I dated. And he was like, yeah, meat here don't, like, it's not gamey enough for me. It tastes different in Nigeria. Mm. He, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could try that. He was I always feel- <laughs> clowning American food because it just, it's just, you know. I mean, my grandma would say the same thing. But I'd be like, girl, beef, you've been here for years. Like, you have to let it hang it up. But, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> She always complained about like the food tastes different. I'm like Gloria, your your taste was any adapt yet? But she always be like it's not as fresh and uh, but we already know they're trying to kill us. People be going to people be going to uh, Europe eating twenty bags of chips and losing weight. Now that wasn't my experience because when I went to Europe, I ate. But um, I don't know. You can next time we go to an Indian restaurant, you should get some. Oh, you don't like wasting money. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we moving on? Yep. All right, y'all, it's time for Black Excellence, where we hype you up, gas you up, and give you a props because there's room for everyone at the top. Who are you talking about, Delaney? This week, I am talking about Michael Casimir. Sorry if I'm saying your last name wrong. Oh, dude, who just won Principal Toronto? Mm-hmm. So. He ain't even real. Be for real. He just got <laughs> St. Louis. Um. So, well, that was the first two sentences well, of my, my bad. <laughs> I'm going to say him again. He's the principal violist of the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, which uh, he was appointed um, just now in 2022. Um, in 2018, up until now, he performed as a section violist for the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra. Um, he was awarded the second place in the 2015 Sphinx Competition and was the winner of the grand prize, grand prize of the Hudson Valley String Competition in 2013. He received his undergraduate degree from the Juilliard School as a student of Heidi Castleman and Misha Amory, Amory, I don't know, um, in his post-bac um, f- degree from Curtis under the tutelage of Roberto Diaz and company. Um, while studying at Curtis, he performed regularly with the New York Philharmonic, the Philadelphia Orchestra, aka the Joseph Conyers Symphony Orchestra, and the Orpheus like, Chamber the Orchestra. Orchestra. <laughs> I never heard of her. I never heard of her. <laughs> They're going to send us a cease and desist. Right. Um, <laughs> he's taught high school students in his hometown of Philadelphia, and most recently uh, the string ensemble at the Normandy High School in St. Louis. Um, in 2021, in 2021, rather, he was appointed to the position of orchestra director at the Lindenwood at U- Lindenwood University. He's recorded for the um, 2019 Lion King soundtrack for Disney and Space Jam, A New Legacy, and enjoys playing, recording, filming, and editing solo and chamber music projects. So shout out to him. And shout out to him for keeping that website updated. Like, Period. he just got that job. <laughs> He's like, and listen, and he gets to move to Toronto. I love Toronto. Toronto's like, I will live there, but Rochester just did it for me i can't i don't want to see no more. i don't even want to see snow okay um good for him man 
I'll update it too. He probably first of all, not he probably Memphis needs to update coming it. Through. You said what? I said not the Memphis coming through. What? Maine. <laughs> you see my accent coming in. <laughs> I said straight a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's coming in. <laughs> um, especially like I started teaching, so you know, I just sometimes I pick up kids. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I pick up their slang. I picked up so much Rochester slang. Um, when I was there. Um yeah, shout out to him. My piece of the week is Tomorrow Two featuring Cardi B. I'm playing. <laughs> but you should <laughs> But y'all should listen to it. I don't know why. I don't know why I love that song so yeah, much. Yeah, I love that song. It's good. It's like one of Cardi's like it's one of my favorite verses that she did. And people trying to like I don't know. I think it's there's so many reasons. It's like Glorilla just came up she might have been making music for a while but she just came up and it's just like the way cardi just like embraced her i like seeing that kind of stuff like mm-hmm. it's not a, a competition i just like that yeah. um but keeping with the theme my piece of the week is the show by the sonic boom of the south uh jackson State University. Well, can, 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 uh, katie can't do that can't do that Oh, sorry. Can't do sorry. that. Sorry. Uh, I went, I went do, to Eastman. Oh, uh, my. You gotta my do piece ha- Howard Hanson. <laughs> right. My piece of the week is uh, Sif Number One by Howard Hanson. <laughs> my bad. Right. Stay in your lane. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening to Classically White Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Classically White Podcast. If you have a piece of the week suggestion, a black excellence suggestion, or an intermission suggestion, send it to classicallyblackpodcast at gmail.com. If you're black, join ISBM. Let's see. When this come out today? Mm-hmm. October first, our our proposals are due. Oh, yep, last chance. You want to submit a proposal and you're black. Um, you got till Saturday. All right, go in peace. What do I normally say? Oh, oh we'll yeah. see y'all next week. Oh. That's what. We- <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye y'all. Bye y'all.